Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. Good morning. How are we all? Good to have you here. And a special shout out to our podcast audience, uh, wherever you're listening in the world. We like to actually think of you as our extended Elevate family. And uh, you might not know that this month, we're coming up to the end of September here in sunny P-Town, that uh, Romania has entered the top 10 in countries listening to our podcast. So welcome to new listeners from Romania. Now, here's a fun fact. Not sure how boned up you are about things, all things Romanian. Here's a fun fact, Giuseppe, you paying attention? The founder of the Italian coffee company, Ili Cafe, which is, don't buy it, it's highly overpriced, uh, was actually, his name is Francesco Ili. He was born in Romania. Okay, yep, insert yawn. Right, that's not, the, that's not the fun fact. The fun fact is this. Francesco Illy, born in Romania, was the inventor of the steam-powered espresso machine. So if you've ever had an espresso, a flat white, a cappuccino, a macchiato, from such a machine, we can thank Francesco Illy and on behalf of my fellow coffee-drinking friends all over the world, Romania, we thank you. I drink to your health. That was 1892, so he's probably not alive still. We're in the third week of a series called You're Not the Boss of Me. And the the subtitle of this series is how How to Series, How to Say No to the Emotions that compete for control. And just let me catch you up. If two weeks ago you missed the launch of this series, Jesus said something that actually after he said it was a little obvious, but at the beginning it wasn't so obvious. He made the point and makes the point that life is actually lived from the inside out, that the things we say and the things we do actually get their start in the heart. And I mentioned like after you hear that, it's like, well, duh, but because you already know that. And the reason you already know that is probably in your life, and, and I know this has been true of me, I've said something, and after I've said it, it was a little bit toxic, a little bit damaging, a little bit hurtful, a little bit harsh, a little bit inappropriate. After I've said it, I've then said to the person, oh, so sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But what I'm really saying is I didn't mean to say that out loud. Because the reason I said it out loud is because it was already in my heart. It didn't get its start after it came out. It got its start in the heart. And you've probably done that. Or maybe you're better with your words than I used to be. But your actions, it may be the thing that you've found yourself saying to someone, I didn't mean to do that. But what you really mean is I didn't mean to do that to you. But you did it because it was already inside of you because life is lived inside out. Life gets its start in the heart. Now, I like Renault shows. The Fixer Upper, uh, Hometown, 
uh, Masters of Flip. I like all those shows. I don't know how to do anything they do, but I admire them, so I watch them. And what you'll find is when these, uh, the, the hosts of the shows go into this old rickety house, it's quite common that they'll look at a wall in a room or several walls, and there'll be a reasonably sizable gap. And what they have in that moment when it comes to fixing that house, they've got two options. Option one is to just kind of putty over the crack, putty over the gap. But guess what's going to happen? By putting over the gap, you're not actually addressing the cause. You're only addressing the outcome. And so the smart renovator says something in the foundation of this house needs to be fixed. Something is causing this. This crack is actually a downstream outcome of something to do with the foundations. And, and, and so that, that's true for you and it's true for me. We can focus on behavior modification. Don't say that. Don't do that. If your parents say that, say to your kids, don't say that. Don't do that. But it doesn't actually address the cause. The cause is we say that and we do that because it's first in our heart. And so we can either paper over the cracks, which is just behavior modification, focus on the behavior, list of rules, do's and don'ts, or, and this is what we're doing in this series, let's actually drill down on the inside and let's actually see, is there anything toxic? Which by the way, spoiler, there is. (laughs) And allow God to actually change things up from the inside out. We're looking at four kind of toxic emotions. We started last week talking about guilt. If you weren't here, shame on you. You should feel guilty about that. Uh, We're going to talk today about envy, next week about anger, the following week about fear. And I got to say, when I was leading up to this series, Today's topic, envy, it was actually the one I was the least excited about. I was like, guilt, that's going to really help some people. I can't wait to teach about that and see some people really set free. Anger, that used to be my kryptonite. So next week, come and I'll tell you all of the the gory stories of people that I've steamrolled in my life and how God's kind of turned that around for the most part. Um, True story. And and I'll be able to share from my own personal uh, angle. Fear, fear is on the rise. Fear and anxiety, that's that's always been a thing, but now it seems to be epidemic levels in certainly in first world that we live in. So I was like, envy, oh, we, come on, we'll, we'll, we'll get through it. It'd be a short morning, but you know, we'll kind of, oh well, I'm gonna preach on it. But the more I dove into this topic, the more I realized this is actually the most universal of all of these four things. Chances are that, the, that there's the highest proportion of people in this room and listening on this podcast that struggle with the implications of envy than any one of the others. And you might not even realize it. So let me help you realize it. Here's a question. How many of you are on the gram? How many of you Instagram? How many of you, like, maybe you post, maybe like me, you don't post anymore, you just lurk, but you've got an account, okay? Quite a few of us, the gram. I like the gram. I know I don't don't post anymore, and that's a whole story for another... uh, fun episode, but, um, but I still lurk, you know, I scroll, and uh, I, I like it. I actually really like the gram. You, you get to see people doing things that can be very inspiring. You can see new ideas, be introduced to some new perspectives, see some great uh, future tourist destinations. 
maybe stay connected with people you've met from other countries that you, you know, it's like a little portal back and forth. I like the gram for the most part. But the gram does have a dark side. And the dark side of the gram is that as you scroll, there are people all around the world that are convincing you that you have a lame life and that the solution to your lame life is to get more and better. In fact, not that you should just want more and better, but actually that there's a basic human need for more and better shoes, more and better kids. Well, let's just settle with better. More and better gadgets, more and better holidays. Because here's, here's what can happen if you allow it. This is, it could be you scrolling through the gram. The internal dialogue is this. I'm a loser, 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 I'm a loser. And if you start to feel that way, here's my pro tip. Here's the revenge move. All you need to do is double down on your posts. Make sure you take 27 shots of whatever it is you need to need to post. <laughs> then crop, then filter, and only then, ask someone trusted next to you, and only then do you post. And when you post, what you're trying to say is you're trying to say, You've all tried to make me feel like my life is lame, but I'm going to post this photo and I want you to feel, whoever you are and wherever you are, that my life isn't lame and yours is. Send. The gram. There's no winners in comparison. In fact, I could tell, I could tell you that comparison is a four-letter word, metaphorically. But actually, it's a two-letter word. It's spelled E-R, and it's pronounced er. Their job is better. Their car is nicer. Their kids are smarter. Their house is bigger. And all of this stuff around comparison ends with an er. So before I even take the dive into what I want to talk about today, let me just throw out a little pro tip the antidote to comparison is very simple. Count your blessings, not someone else's. Now, what happens if you start to do this? Because the problem with comparison is when you win, <laughs> it's easy to start to feel arrogant. But when you lose, it's easy to start feeling depressed. And yet there's a higher ground and that's to count your blessings, not someone else's. And what you start to find is not arrogance or depression, but gratitude. And gratitude starts to define who you are. And gratitude starts to define what you say. And gratitude starts to define your perspective. And gratitude starts to, to inform and interpret how you deal with the people in your world. That you're, you're not trying to be arrogant that you're better than them or depressed that you're not, but actually just grateful for the blessings God has given you. And because you know that God's given you blessings, you're very uh, well positioned to actually give them a leg up and help them live in a place where God can bless them as well. And it doesn't actually take anything away from you. That's just a bonus tip, as well as my Romanian history lesson. If you've got our Elevate app, 
How about you ta- open that up, tap on the Bible title. It's going to take you to uh, a set of Proverbs. Now, we use the word Proverbs kind of like just in general conversation in, in, in our language. Proverbs, you know, someone smart said this. It's kind of... The, the, the OG of the Proverbs world is a guy named Solomon. And Solomon was a king. Solomon was a very wealthy man. And Solomon was actually considered to be the, the wisest person that ever lived until Jesus kind of won up to him. Um, and, and he wrote down, and we've now got them packaged into 31 chapters, sets of Proverbs, just these ancient wise things, which when you read them and you take time to think about them, they should be like, oh, yeah. That is actually how the world works. But sometimes we don't kind of take the time to understand how the world should work. And so we get sucked into how it kind of does work, but in a broken way. And these Proverbs are a great recalibration tool. And in fact, these Proverbs, these work whether you're a Jesus follower or not. Because what they are, they're descriptions of how God designed and created the world to work that anyone can tap into. So you've got friends and family that aren't followers of Jesus. I would still encourage them to read these Proverbs. Jesus doesn't even get a mention. If they've got a problem with Jesus, which again, I say this the last couple of weeks, I'm not sure why you'd have a problem with Jesus. Seemed to be a pretty good guy. Seemed to pick on the bullies. Gets my vote. Predicted his own death and resurrection and then pulled it off. All right, I'm going with him. But hey, so this is one of Solomon's Proverbs. Then I observed all the work and ambition motivated by envy. What a waste. Smoke and spitting into the wind. I went to an all-boys high school, and if you know anything about all-boys high schools, it shouldn't surprise you that it was quite common during the break times for us to have spitting competitions. Who could spit the furthest? I know it's gross, but that's what high school boys are. They're gross. And so we were all pretty gross. So we would have spitting competitions. But here's the thing. None of us ever thought it was a good idea to spit into the wind. Is there, is any of you, have any of you ever spat into the wind? All right. On your way home, roll the window down, lean your head out of the car, and... Boom, big loogie. Do it. No, do it. Trust me. Because here's what you're going to discover. The only loser in that particular action is the person doing the spitting. And so that's what Solomon's trying to get across. You're like, ah, that's gross, Mark. No, yes, it is gross. Why would you want that? Why would you voluntarily do that? Why would you? If any of you post on Instagram stories on the way home a video of you spitting in the wind, having it slow... That's it. We're, we're unf- I'm unfollowing you because it's gross. But that's what Solomon's trying to get across. That, that, that all of the work and ambition motivated by envy, why would anybody want to do that to themselves? Now, Solomon was a super accomplished guy. He's not throwing shade on the idea of work, he's throwing shade on the idea of what the motivation is. What's motivating us to work harder? What, and if it's envy, then that's just like spitting in the wind. You're actually doing something stupid to yourself. Now, again, he wasn't calling out the value of work. In fact, he went on to say 
The next thing he wrote, the fool sits back and takes it easy. So he's not advocating being lazy. In fact, if you're lazy, well, I don't want to be motivated by ambition and envy and work hard, so I'm just going to Netflix and Netflix. I'm not even going to chill. His sloth is slow suicide. We were born to contribute. We were born, we were, we're here to make a difference, to add value, to be productive. But the motivation, the fuel, is the thing that Solomon's putting under the microscope. One handful of peaceful repose is better than two fistfuls of worried work, more spitting into the wind. This word repose, we, we don't really use that word much these days. So let me kind of give an example. If you go through, travel through European art galleries, which like, going, like when you go to Europe, it's just fascinating. Like you'll tell somebody over there, you know, they might, oh, where do you live? Perth. Oh yeah. Like we do this, Louisa, my wife, full-blooded Italian, talk to her cousins and we say, you know, like right now, we live in a house that was built in 56. So I say to you guys here, hey, Louie and I, yeah, we live in a house that was built in 56. We say that to the cousins in Italy. They say, which century? <laughs> They're like, which century? And we're like, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, it could be 1256. They don't know. You go through Europe and you see these art galleries of, of, of centuries and centuries of paintings, some of the most magnificent things. And they're, and they're everywhere. One of the uh, common subject matter is royalty or nobility. And typically what you'll see is two styles of paintings. You'll either see like the nobility with their like sort of posh, pompous kind of, you know, upright uh, pose and, and someone's painted them uh, back then. Or you'll see kind of like the, the absolute opposite contrast where they'll be kind of lying back on a couch with a kind of red Hugh Hefner kind of smoking jacket on with a big like stogie coming out like this and, and they'll be painted like that. When they're in that pose, that, the, the phrase is, is they're in repose. In repose. Giuseppe, facciamo un riposo. Good, see, bit of Italian there. We're relaxing. So my father-in-law, I see him every time. What are you doing? Facciamo un riposo. We're relaxing. Repose. Do you know that you can go through life with your soul on a couch dressed in a smoking jacket? Even while you're working? How cool is that? How are you doing today? Pretty good, actually. My soul is on a couch wearing a smoking jacket. I mean, don't actually say that out loud. Just like, you, you can just say, I'm pretty chilled. I'm pretty relaxed. But that, see, now Solomon does this all through Proverbs. He contrasts things. And in this case, he contrasts that it's better to have one handful of peaceful repose than two fistfuls of worry work. We live in a culture where two fistfuls should equal more than one handful. Like it's just basic math. And we live in a culture that encourages us that the benchmark is to always have two fistfuls. Why settle for one when you can have two? Hey, not only this, if you've got one and someone else has got two, you suck. You're failing, right? We've deified 
productivity, but in the process, we've allowed comparison with other people to be the ultimate measure of whether we're being successful. And Solomon says, no, 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 no. One handful of peaceful repose, I did my best, is better than two fistfuls of worried work. I'm killing myself trying to be better than them. One handful of peaceful repose. I work hard at my job and I make, sh- and I make sure I have time and energy for my spouse and kids is better than two fistfuls of worried work where I'm putting in 80 hours a week to provide for kids that I never see. One handful doing something you were called to do is better than two handfuls trying to keep up with someone who you weren't called to keep up with. See, there's two ways to measure success. Benchmark ourselves against somebody else or benchmark ourselves against what God's called us to do and who God's called us to be. Now, break out your little miniature violins because I want you in a moment to start feeling sorry for me. Okay, you all ready? Instead of taking you on a guilt trip, I'm gonna take you on a sympathy trip. For me, God's called me to lead and to speak, and that's kind of what I do. Here's the problem. In this digital age, it is more accessible than ever in the history of Christianity for someone doing my role to compare myself with some of the greatest leaders of some of the greatest churches all around the world and some of the preachers in some of the greatest churches and largest churches from all around the world. But here's the thing. That's not where you should start feeling sorry for me. You should start feeling sorry for me because it's easier than ever for you to compare me with leaders of churches all around the world and you to compare me with speakers in churches all around the world. You come here on a Sunday, yeah, well, you know, coffee's not bad. But then you go home and binge your favorite preacher on podcast and say to yourself, boy, I wish Mark Pomery was better than he is. Boy, I wish Mark Pomery was as good as him. Boy, well, I'm just saying... Well, that, listen, play the violin, all right? <clears throat> but here's what I don't do. I mean, I, I, I really don't do this. I don't say it's because I'm perfect or I've got this all dialed, but, but, but honestly, at the end of a working day, I down tools, I do not, I, I, I honestly say that, I'm not saying this because oh, I, I do, but I'm gonna tell you I don't because it makes me sound more impressive than I am. No, I, I do not, at the end of my working day, down tools and ask the question, did I lead today better than Brian Houston led? I do not drop the mic here at 10 and change and say, did I preach a better message than Stephen Furtick preached today? I, I really don't. But, so, but here's what I do. And in, and in the in the field that you're called to do, where in your field it's it's as easy, maybe that the mechanisms might be slightly different, but there will be mechanisms in your world. And I and I don't just mean your job. I could mean just being a parent. I mean, could being a spouse. I'm, what, in the in the arenas that God's called you to be effective in, there are mechanisms that allow you to compare yourself to other people. Here's my advice: stop it. Now, that doesn't mean you have to shy away from those mechanisms. It's 
my encouragement to use them differently. So I scroll the gram for inspiration, but not looking for people that I can do imitation. I listen to podcasts of other preachers. And yeah, occasionally I say, man, boy, that's some good preaching right there. That's better than I could have ever said it. But I don't get down about it. I say, what, what was it that made that story you told so effective? And how can I learn to be a better Mark Pomery in my communication? So I look to them for inspiration, but not imitation. And that could be for you. Follow the mummy blogs if you want to, but don't follow them and go, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser. Say, man, that's a great idea. I didn't think of that. I think that could actually work in my lane. So follow for inspiration, not intimidation. And, and, and then the other benchmark is not just about you being benchmarked against what God's called you to do. There is a second benchmark that's very, very healthy if you use it properly. It's benchmarking yourself against who you were yesterday. Have I progressed? Am I doing the sorts of things that would cause me to progress? In fact, one of the guys I look to for inspiration, not imitation, said it better than me, so I'm just gonna tell you how he said it. Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Final thing, I'm not even gonna talk too much about this. It's kind of another topic in itself, but just to put a bow on what Solomon wrote in this big slice, verses four through to eight, and they're in our app. You've, what was that? Was the Cleese? What, 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 what? Just go in there. It's in there. You're welcome. We're gonna leave it in there all week. I turn, by the way, do you notice that I've been telling you that this stuff's from Proverbs? And it's actually from Ecclesiastes? How many of you nerds picked up on that? Oh, you're very gracious that you didn't yell out at me. Idiot! It's Ecclesiastes! You can tell us it's Proverbs! People pay you to do this? Look, it, it's the same author, okay? All right. Glad we cleared that one up, Sydney. Sheesh, all the Bible college nerds would have been emailing me tomorrow morning. They would have gone to my spam filter. <laughs> the final slice that Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter four, if you're paying attention, verses seven and eight. I turned my head. It's like, it's like, okay, if you didn't just get this about the spitting in the wind and the motivator by envy, and it, just let me, let me come at it one more time from a slightly different angle, but I'm making the same point. Listen up. I turned my head and saw yet another wisp of smoke on its way to nothingness. A solitary person, completely alone, no children, no family, no friends, yet working obsessively late into the night, compulsively, again, he's not calling out the work, but the motivation, compulsively greedy for more and more. Never bothering to ask, why am I working like a dog? Never having any fun. And who cares? More smoke. A bad business. This is a whole message in itself. This is a whole message about ensuring we have margin. You ever read a book that was misprinted and the words went right to the edge of the page? You ever done it? Don't do it. It's awful. 
It's, you can't unsee it. You will literally need some intensive counseling after seeing it. There's a reason that books have margins on the edge. Even, even digital books have margins on it. And yet we live our lives too often without any margin. And it, it's, it's awful. It's bad. It's, it's, it's bad business, more smoke. Anyway, this is a whole message on itself. And I'm either going to preach it in 2 minutes and 36, or I'm not going to preach it at all today. Let me encourage you, and I just use the gram as an example. Not everyone's on the gram. I don't care. I'm not. I'm not. I'm Mark Pomery, not Mark Zuckerberg. I make no money from promoting the gram. What I'm saying is that we live in a culture. It's kind of the essence of unreality TV. If you watch unreality TV, Love Island. With Sophie Monkey and uh, the crew, it's like, just don't watch that stuff. And I'm saying don't watch it because it's just poor television, though it is. But it's, it's telling you that that's kind of what you should look like and that's who you should aspire to, to find and, and to marry. And it's like, really? Anyway, that's another message. I haven't got one minute and 41 to preach that as well. But let me just encourage us, and, and I started this in week one. Anytime you feel yourself tempted or maybe you're long versed and well-versed in the habit of comparing yourself, let me just put this little tool, and it's, it's just a catch. It's not a magic wand, but it's just a catch. Just, you, you, hopefully, now you'll be more aware of it than ever. Hopefully, in the time we've been here talking about it this morning, you might have realized, actually, I, I do that. Uh, yeah, boy. And, and, and if God's shone the spotlight on an area or areas for you that you've being fueled by envy, catch yourself from here and then just say to yourself and say to that emotion that's competing for control, hey, envy, I, I, I caught you. I spotted you. I, I, I see what you're trying to do here. But here's what you need to know. You're not the boss of me. Now, as I promised, next week, you're going to hear a lot of juicy details about my life, things you're going to, because things that you are going to think to yourself, because it's about anger, and that was my kryptonite. You're going to think to yourself, that angelic soul used to be that way. <laughs> I, you're going to send me the mind blowing emoji even while I'm preaching. Well, that's okay. See you then. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.